0: Good morning, Joy Church. How are you doing today? All right. Good to see you guys. Wave at me a little bit. You have enough coffee this morning? Get some donuts. Get a little sugared up, ready to go. Man, you guys are looking good. So excited to be in church today. Come on, there's no better place to be on a Sunday morning than right here in the presence of God. Because anywhere else that you are, you're not experiencing and encountering the presence of God. People say, oh yeah, but you can experience God anywhere. You don't need to come to church to be a Christian that's wrong, man, because Jesus brought us into a family, into a community, and yes, you can pray, you can experience God, you can have your faith with God all by your lonesome self, but you can't be a Christian by yourself. That's not in the Bible. Did you know that? You got to, you're got. you a Christian in the body of Christ. You're brought together in community. So church matters. Actually coming and being here and participating in the communion and the fellowship. Come on, I'm using some Christian words, I know. But come on. Being a part of the group and serving and loving people and laying your life down for each other. Come on. And being here matters. So I'm excited that you're here. Hey, if this is like your first time. You're like, man, I'm just checking this out. Well, I'm Jake. I'm the pastor here along with my wife, Bethany. And we are so glad you're here. And the whole team is glad you're here. And I thank you for taking that bold step, that courageous step to be here. Because sometimes it's hard to go to a new place. Is that right? And I know I'm like talking loud and shouting right now, but actually I'm pretty introverted. And when I I try out churches, like when I go on vacation, I'm kind of nervous to walk in and say hi to people and, and get coffee and eat too many donuts. You know what I mean? I get nervous too, so, but we want to say thank you for being here. You're so welcomed here, and I know God is going to do something amazing in your life, so welcome. Good to have you here. Well, this lovely lady standing next to me is my beautiful sister Natalie, and uh, Pastor Natalie is the executive pastor at Joy Church Medford, our mothership down in Medford, Oregon, and I want to give you a disclaimer. Yeah, let's say hello. Let's say hello, and uh her and her husband, Riley, are here with us. Riley is a chemical engineer, also serves in the church in a bunch of different ministries. He's so smart, I don't really know what he does. You know how some people, they're like, hey, what do you do for a living? And you're like, they start talking, and you're like, I'm out. I just know that he works with things that can kill everybody else unless you're really smart and know how not to use it to kill. You know what I mean? Like, it's really up there. So anyways, um, they do a lot at Joy Medford, just phenomenal. Some of the greatest, best leaders uh, that I know. And uh, obviously, being my little sister, I wouldn't say that if I didn't have to. Like, if it wasn't true, right, I wouldn't be praising my little sister because that's not your, your job as an older brother, is it? It's to, to keep them in check, the younger ones. Can I get an amen from the firstborns? All the other people are like, revolt, right, <laughs> against, but they're absolutely amazing. And Natalie is uh, incredible. She's an amazing speaker. And I want to give you a disclaimer. Uh, she's a better preacher than me, better leader, loves Jesus more. You're going to want to move to Medford after today but I'm asking you not to. Let's give her a warm welcome.
1: Very very kind. I love my older brother. How many of you guys love your pastors, Pastor Jake and Pastor Bethany? Man, I love Joy Joy Eugene and in Medford we are cheering you guys on and just celebrate with all that God's doing every single week. It's amazing. You're in an in incredible church that is truly making an impact in your community and families. Come on, can you just give the Lord a clap and thank God for your pastors. And this weekend we had an awesome time with all of the Dream Teamers at the Dream Team Conference. And uh, just love every one of you guys that are just serving every week to see people uh, encounter the love of God. So give yourself a clap too. We're just going to like celebrate, you know. <laughs> Well, this this morning um, we're going to continue in the series "God Goggles," and and as we get ready, if you want to turn in your Bible or it'll be up on the screen, to First Kings seventeen, and we're continuing the series as we look at. The reality that God's ways are higher, Pastor Jake's been talking about that, that God's ways are higher and his thoughts, they're different and greater than our thoughts and, and, and just the power of getting uh, beyond our own perspective but putting on God goggles to get God's perspective and, and this morning we're looking at what's God's perspective and, and what if we saw the world through his eyes, what if we got new vision for our city and our families and our friends, what could happen, Right? So we're going to look at an account in the Bible in 1 Kings chapter 17. And, uh, and so God begins to speak to this prophet Elijah. And in verse 2, it says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near, uh, where there's, there's a river, and drink from the brook, and eat what the ravens bring for you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did what the Lord uh, told him, and he camped there by the brook. And the ravens came, and they brought him bread and meat. How many of you guys are like, that would be awesome, personal delivery? You know, who needs, who needs Uber Eats when you got raven eats or something? I don't know. Uh, and so he brings the bread, and the, the raven brought bread and meat each morning, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up. Say, the brook dried up. Awesome, thanks. For there was no rainfall anywhere. Then the Lord spoke to Elijah again, and he said, Go and live in the village of Zarephath. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went there and he arrived at the gates of the village and he saw this widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little cup of water? And as she's going, uh, he he's like, hey, by the way, since you're up, why don't you give me a bite of bread too, you know, since you're up. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. Then my son and I will die. We're just going to pray, close out service. God bless you guys. Noah says, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what I just said to you, but make a little bread for me first then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what God says to you. So maybe this morning, God wants you to know he speaks something different over your life and situation. This is what God says. He says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time of the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. So He, she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to to eat for many days, for there was always enough, say always enough, flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. We're going to pray and jump in. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living, it's powerful, and it changes our life. So we come this morning and we say, Lord, would you speak to us, Lord? Those who maybe have never encountered your love, may they encounter it today. God, let us be hearers and doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, uh, we're talking about interpreting interruption. And uh, I need some group participation in here. You guys are a great looking crowd and, and, and I need I need some help from you. I think that we could categorize uh, this group into two, two, two categories and, and, and you'll find out very quickly which one you fall into. How many of you in this room, you hear the word schedule and your heart just skips a beat. You're like, come on, say it again. Schedule, schedule, order, you know, come on, just show me all my schedule people, like your heart, you're like, Yes. Give me that list. Give me, you know, your idea of an ideal vacation is every 15 minutes are allotted, you know, and you're just like, we will do this and we will be here and we're gonna go here, you know what I'm saying? How many of you, you heard the word schedule and you about ran out of this room? Like you are like, come on, yeah, there you are. Where are you at? Come on, I knew you were in this room. We are praying for you today after service, all our non-schedule people. Uh, Here's the thing I found about people who love schedules you know blessed we are we are a good group of people but those who love schedules and those who don't we all find ourselves somewhere in the middle in this reality Is so when we've determined we want to do something or go somewhere none of us like interruptions Y'all remember Pastor Jake and I were were pastor's kids. We have two other brothers. And as a pastor's kid and and our parents planted Joy Medford uh, a lot of years ago. And and so when you're a pastor's kid, you do everything in church. You know, when it's a new church plant, they're like, uh, you know, you're the kid's teacher. You're the overhead person. You're the worship leader. You're like, I'm four. (laughs) Like, I can't do it, you know? It's not going to be like seven and like running the slides. Like it, it wasn't a computer like this was you actually maneuvered the slides you could have like done like you know rabbits on the on the screen or something and, and so i remember we'd serve we'd go to church early and you know uh, it was a joy to be in god's house and we'd serve but but the great thing and we always knew when church ended we got lunch jake pastor jake's just like amening over he's like come on bless the lord and and, and we got to go to like silver dragon where you probably will leave with some sort of disease after you eat that chinese food but but it's greasy and, 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 and tasty. We, we'd go to Golden Spike Pizza, you know, spuds and, 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 and pizza. And so we, as, as good pastor's kids, we would wait for our, our parents patiently. And it seemed like half of the city of Medford had to pour out their heart to my dad. Uh, but finally, the moment arrived. Like, church was done. Doors were closed. Lights were going off. We were leaving the building. And we're like, come on, bring on that pizza. And all of a sudden... There's one of you in the crowd. I know it. You're going to do it today. All of a sudden, this voice would come, Pastor Steve, hey, it won't take too long. I just need to ask you something. And suddenly it was like we needed deliverance, all of us kids. We're like, no. You are taking food out of a child's hand. How dare you, you know? Interruption. But when I look at the life of Jesus and we we look at the word of God, most of the miracles that we see in the life of Jesus were the cause of an interruption. The very, thank you, the very first miracle we see in the Bible of Jesus was at a wedding. And Jesus is just trying to be there at this wedding. And his mom's like, hey, whatever he tells you to do, go on, interrupt him. Whatever he says to do, you do that. And Jesus, in an interruption, turns the water into wine. We find Jesus, and he's actually seeking to get away. He's just heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. He's trying to get away from everybody and get alone. And, and suddenly Jesus, on the way to being alone, is interrupted by a crowd of 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And it's there he miraculously, in the interruption, feeds the multitude. We find Jesus just coming on a journey into to Jericho and he finds a man in a tree. Like that's kind of awkward, you know? You're like, oh, hey, just hanging out up there. Uh, But he sees a man in the tree looking for him. And in the interruption, he transforms this man's life. We find a woman who for 12 years was oppressed and hurt and could find no healing anywhere. And as Jesus is on his way to heal a little girl, this woman interrupts his journey and in the interruption, Jesus transforms her life. You see, the way that God sees the world and and the way that Jesus sees interruption is very different than you and I. And if we're gonna get God goggles, we have to get the vision of God, the heart of God to say, is this an interruption or is this a divine God moment for me to be light to a world that's hurting and needs Jesus? But if we're going to interpret interruption and we're going to understand interruptions in our life and allow God to use us in our city, in our families, in our workplaces, I think the first thing is we have to interrupt interruption. Anybody find that there are a lot of things vying for your attention? There's a lot of things that are able, that grabbing us and distracting us from life. I find myself very often getting distracted and preoccupied with anxiety or, 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 or the noise of life and the busyness of schedule and all these things going on. That sometimes in my own interruptions, I miss God's divine interruptions, God's purpose in, his, in life. Uh, there was a, a recently a, or a few years back a Superman movie that some of you may have seen, Men of Steel. And in this, this Superman movie, uh, we see that young Clark Kent, when he's just a child, and he's first figuring out uh, all of his, like, superpowers. And so he's figuring out how to, uh, you know, use his laser eyes or whatever they are. And I know that there's there's comic book experts and I'm saying it totally wrong I'm sorry but he's getting figured out his powers and they're overwhelming he's just caught he can't control what he's hearing what he's seeing and he's so overwhelmed that you find this little boy in the movie running and hiding in his school he's hiding in a closet and the next scene is his mom right there ear against the door and he's saying mom it's too loud like I can't stop it I there's so much going on and you hear her speak to her son Clark Clark you have to make the world smaller. You have to make the world smaller. And I think for some of us, we have to make the world smaller, not excluding the world, but getting away in the place of prayer with God in his word, getting away, following the example of Jesus that it says before daybreak, when it was still dark, he would get away, he would make the world small, he would go away and he would hear the father speak and give him direction so that when he came into life, he knew exactly the divine interruptions, the places that he was to step out and allow the father to use him. And I think we have to interpret and say some distractions I need to put aside. I need to silence the interruption of fear. I need to silence the interruption of anxiety. I need to silence the interruption of sin and, and junk. But, and I need to turn on my hearing ear to hear what God wants to do. You guys all right? But secondly, we have to embrace the dried brook moment. So we just read this story, this account in the Bible of a man named Elijah. And he was someone that heard God speak and he spoke on behalf of the Lord. And God tells Elijah after uh, that, 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 in a time when there was no rain and Elijah was not liked by a lot of people. And God says, hey, Elijah, I want you to go to this brook and I'm going to provide for you. And, and when even the world around you doesn't have, have, have water and rain, I'm going to bring you to a place and I'm going to give you water. And I'm going to send the ravens to feed you. And ravens are known that the bird, uh, the ravens, they actually don't even often take care of their own children. And so God is showing a picture that he would provide through unlikely means. And he would take care of Elijah in the most unlikely ways. And so Elijah finds himself at this brook and God is taking care of him. But suddenly the brook dries up and it kind of seems like, God, you brought me here and now you forgot me here. But you have to understand that when the brook dries up, it's not God forgetting you, it's God directing you. And God was capturing the attention of Elijah saying, man, I can take care of you. I can bring provision in unlikely ways, but I need your attention because I'm about to interrupt where you're at because I need to move you to a location where my power and glory can be displayed, where your life can not only receive my blessing, but your life can be used to be a blessing to other people. And I'm here to tell you, some of you came into this place and you look at your situation and you look at your life and you feel like God the brook dried up, where you blessed me in the past, it seems like I don't understand my circumstances. And you came to this place thinking God's forgotten you, but I'm here to remind you God's directing you. He's taking your situation. He's saying, look up, look to me, and I'm going to show you where I'm leading you because I don't just want to bless you. I want to use you to be a blessing to the world around you. When God interrupts the brook, we got to say, God, what are you doing? I'm ready to go where you want. So God tells him, He says, There's a widow that's gonna provide for you, another very unlikely source. But I need you to go to this place, to Zarephath. It was 80 to 90 miles away from where he was. I need you to take a journey because I'm gonna do something there. And we find this widow there, and I wanna paint a picture if we could imagine this situation. First off, it's a widow. There's pain in her heart. She's probably still mourning the reality that she no longer has her husband. And we know that she had a son, but she's alone from her husband. And she's not even at her house gathering sticks. She's preparing to eat her last meal with her son and die. And there's not even enough kindling in front of her own home. It says she had to go to the city gate. And outside of the city gate, she's gathering sticks. And I wonder what went through her mind. I wonder what she thought in this situation. She thought the story was over. She thought life was done. She thought everything, her future was no more. And at this place she's gathering sticks and in walks to the city a prophet. And she thought she was preparing her last meal but God is the God who interrupts our brokenness. God is the God that shows up on the scene. When it looks like it's over, he says, oh no, I'm here to interrupt. What you thought was the end is just the beginning. What you thought was gonna take you out is gonna be a platform for a testimony of what God wants to do. And so this prophet walks in and he begins to come to this woman and let her know there's a different story for you. You defined your story as over. You defined your legacy as done. You've defined that everything was over, but God's coming to this place to provide for you and to provide for your family and to make a way where God, where only God can make a way. I just want you to know you may have come to this place and you said, man, Like, this is the last shot. I'm just gathering sticks. Life's over. My marriage is over. My family is broken. But we serve a God who is still interrupting our brokenness, who still comes in and says, that is not what defines you. You are not done. Your failure does not have to be your future. Come on, God is the God who interrupts our brokenness. You guys all right? You awake? Here's the thing is that God is is raising up a, an army of interrupters an army of people Enjoy Church Eugene, a, a, an army of people who who have seen God's provision. You, you've seen God move in your life. Even today, some of you, you are gonna encounter the love of God for the first time, but here's the reality is that God, he, he, he sets us free and he gives us life and he brings us to the brook and provides his blessing, but that was never intended to be the end. God never intended to just put bread in your hands to just eat, but he puts bread in your hands to say, as you give, As you bless other people, you will never run out. As this widow gave what she had, God said, you will never run out. And there's something that transforms our life when we recognize that what God has given to me, if I'll let it get through me, it will never run out. You can never outgive God. You can never out sow into God's kingdom. You can never out, come on, you look at your life and you say, man, all my time, I'm just serving and loving people. And it's amazing how God multiplies your time. Man, I'm just giving towards the, Kingdom of God, towards the house of God, and God multiplies your money. But God's looking for a people who say, I will interrupt people's brokenness. I'm not okay to see my neighbors not encounter the love of Jesus. I want to show up and interrupt their brokenness with the love of Jesus Christ. There's a young girl in our church. She's about to finish her freshman year, and her name's Victoria. And Victoria was so lost and broken. Her testimony is, is incredible. But around September, she gave her life to Jesus, and one of the first messages she heard in her youth group was that the Holy Spirit, he will speak to you, and that if you'll obey, like God will move powerfully. if You just obey what God speaks. And so Victoria, she, she woke up one morning, was getting ready to go to school, I believe it was a Wednesday morning, and as she was getting ready, God speaks to her, and he says, I want, I want you to talk to Melissa, Melissa. She's like, I don't know a Melissa. So she shows up to her first class, and she's pretty bold, and she just kind of stands up, and she's like, hi, excuse me. Is there a Melissa in here? <laughs> you know, like, the, what's the most efficient way to get everybody's attention? Melissa, where you at? Come on. <laughs> and they're all like, no, there's no Melissa. So she's kind of discouraged, like, man, I misheard God. And a girl in her class says, well, Melissa's not in here, but I I know a Melissa, and she's in Such and such class at the end of the day, and Victoria goes, I'm in that class. So at the end of the day, she she finds this Melissa, and she, are you Melissa? I'm Melissa. She says, Melissa, God, this morning, he he told me to come and to talk to you. God spoke to me. And she began to share the love of Jesus, and this girl is just awestruck. She had never heard about Jesus She had never been to church, but she had a grandma that gave her a cross necklace. And she said, I don't know why, but this morning I felt like I needed to wear my cross necklace. And Victoria came and talked to her, began to share about Jesus. That night she came to youth group and gave her life to Jesus. Come on. (laughs) Simply because somebody said, God, you can interrupt my life. And if you're moving me from the brook to go to the city gate, I'm going where you lead. If you're moving me from comfort and you're taking me to a place of stepping out and reaching into a broken situation, God, I am your vessel. You can use me. God, come on. I don't care where you came from. You don't have to be a good communicator. You don't have to have all the knowledge of the Bible. But if you are a willing vessel, if you're willing to say, God, here I am. You've changed my life. I'm going to be willing to let my life be interrupted. I'll be your mouthpiece. I'll share your love. I'll step into someone's situation and let my schedule be interrupted to share your love. I'm going to tell you, God will do incredible things through the life that just says you could have it all. But here's the reality for all of us is this, is that not only has God called us to be those who go and step into people's world and share his love and Tell the story of what God's done for us. But I want you to know that Jesus has time for you. Many, many, many years later, you fast forward, and Jesus came on the scene and he he comes to a well and he sits down. He's actually resting. His disciples went to go get him food, and Jesus is just there resting. You ever had that moment where it's like, finally, you're, it's your time, right? You're like, I just got a good book. I got a good cup of coffee, and I'm sitting in a coffee shop just to find my perfect day. And, you know, <laughs> and there's no crying baby. And and you're like, nobody, and you pop in your AirPods. You know, you're like, I'm going to smile, but the world's tuned out to me. And then somebody sits down plops right in front of you. You're like, ah! Oh! That's all. That's only me. You know, the Lord's still working in my heart. Jesus is resting, and this lady comes on the scene, and it seems like an interruption. But Jesus had time for her. And this lady was broken. She's she's there, and, and as Jesus is talking to her, it's revealed that she had had. Five husbands, and now the guy she's with isn't even her husband. Like, she has a history. She has a past. She's known as not a good woman. And she's sitting with the creator of the universe. And he's not looking past her shoulder. He's not moving on to some better situation. But he stops in that moment, and he asks her a very similar question that Elijah had asked the widow. He says, hey, in John 4, 7, will you give me something to drink? And she thought, okay, I'll give you a cup of water. But what Jesus was giving back was a water that would never run dry. As he sat in this moment with this woman, he's sitting with her saying, you matter. You are seen. He knew everything she had done. He knew her story. He knew her brokenness. And yet he said, I have time for you. And every person in this room, whether you've followed Jesus for years and years and years or you've never crossed the threshold of a church, I want you to know that the God of the universe has time for you. He has time to sit by the well and hear your story, He has time to come in and heal the wounds that have plagued you for years. that woman didn't stay sitting at the well. When her little water journey was interrupted, she actually forgot her water pots at the well and started running to go interrupt some other people's day. And come on, when Jesus interrupts your life, and he sets you free, and he gives you life, and he gives you hope, sometimes you forget what you came for, but you run with a way more powerful message than you came with. She ran to her city, and her whole city was transformed by the power of Jesus. Jesus has time for you. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. And he wants to cause you to be a people who interrupt the lives of those who are broken and bring hope and healing. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. There's some of you that came to this place and you say, man, I, I, I want to know this Jesus. who He wasn't just willing to sit and have a conversation, but he came and he lived a perfect, sinless life, and yet willingly went to the cross, was beaten and broken, and he took our sin and our shame, and he paid the price we could never pay, and yet he rose again on the third day, and he lives forever. This Jesus, he invites you and I into relationship with him, simply through putting our trust in him and declaring that he's God. If you came to this place and you say, I need Jesus, I, I need him to save me. I need him to give me a brand new life. I, I don't want to live this life in my own strength. I can't save myself. I need Jesus to save me. Then wherever you are all across this room, I want to invite you right now to just lift your hand. Just let me know. Just say, Jesus, I see those hands. Jesus, I need you. I see those hands. I see those hands. Come on, all over this room, people saying, Jesus, would you come into my heart? Awesome. I see that hand. You say, Jesus, I need you to save me. I need you to give me a brand new start. Just lift your hands wherever you are. Awesome. I see those hands. see that hand. Come on, praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Last call. Every person here, just say, Jesus, I need you to save me. Church, we all just pray this prayer together. We're just going to simply speak out externally what God's doing inside of our hearts. We just say, dear Jesus... I put my trust in you, you alone can save me, you alone can give me life. If you will be my God, I will be your child. Help me to follow you all the days of my life, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give every one of those people a clap, come on, heaven rejoices. Thank you, Jesus. You know, if you prayed that prayer this morning, there's a, a yellow card right next to you in your cup holder and it says, I have decided to follow Jesus. And we'd love to help help you in this new journey of putting your faith in Jesus and being a Jesus follower. And so if you would just fill that card out and when the offering bucket comes by, just drop it in so that we can stay in contact with you and just help you take those next steps and what it means to follow Jesus. Can I pray for the rest of you this morning? If you're here and you just say, Man, I I want to allow God to interrupt my situations in my life and let me be somebody who brings interruptions in a God way to people's lives, brings hope into broken situations. If that's your prayer, just lift your hand and say, God, I want you to use me to interrupt some situations. I want you to use me. Awesome. I pray for you. God, I thank you for these amazing people. God, we lift our hands and we just say, Lord, let our lives be interrupted. God, let our lives, may we have God goggles to see the world through your perspective. God, may we see the world and may we bring your love to hurting broken people. God, help us to hear your voice and to obey, to bring your love into those situations. And Lord, I pray you would bless every person here. May they be reminded that Jesus, you care so much about them, that you have time for us. Lord, I pray that you would lift burdens off of your sons and daughters. You would give them strength and hope. In Jesus' name, amen.